Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. This is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down. Now, we do things very differently here. A lot of people talk about issues. They talk about the surface. They talk about policy. We talk about what's really going on. We look below the surface, and we focus on the money. What we're going to do today is talk about the green and green energy, but we're not going to talk about renewables or alternative forms of energy. We're going to talk about the money that's in green. You know, Kermit the Frog said it isn't easy being green, but that's because Kermit didn't run an alternative energy company, because if he did, he would understand he'd be smart enough to understand that the way you make that business run is by getting taxpayer money to transfer large amounts of cash. Joining me today is Eric Eggers, Vice President of Government Accountability and Student Author, and we're going to talk about this massive infrastructure program in a way that nobody else has. Welcome today. Hey, thanks, Peter. And I'm just so excited. And as you know, we've been doing a video version of this podcast for a really long time. And I think finally, we're giving people what they want. We're entering this podcast space where they can get the amazing information that we produce with the Government Accountability Institute, it shows that you're embracing this new medium and all the um, opportunities it provides. Because normally in your books, right, you're quoting the Federalist Papers <laughs> or you're quoting G.K. Chesterton. So a Kermit the Frog reference is new for you. And uh, I'm just excited to see where the rest of the show goes. I think Kermit is vastly underrated. Um, but, you know, it's interesting on this infrastructure program, everybody's looking at it um, and they're talking about policy, about whether, you know, we should have more wind, whether we should have more solar. But what people are forgetting is this is going to be a massive transfer of wealth. This is like a reverse Robin Hood, because what the Biden administration is saying is we're going to take tens of billions of dollars of taxpayer money and we are going to give it to businesses in the forms of loans and grants. And these businesses are owned predominantly by politically connected billionaires. It's a great business model, isn't it? And I'm loath to give you compliments, but I will say that one of the things that you pointed out in one of your first really big books, Throw Them All Out, is you looked at the stimulus package and the amount of money that in a very similar way, and I think in a similar motivation, the Obama administration steered grants and steered loans to allegedly green energy companies. And I think what you found is of the $20 billion of a certain type of Department of Energy loans, 16 billion of them went to people that were connected to the Obama administration. People have been donors, people have been bundlers. So I think that's why it's a very important context to now look at what we expect to see moving forward. Because what you find is the people that get the money, it's not just, oh, I've got the best soybean oil crop in the world. It's uh, no, I threw maybe a really good fundraiser. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we're going to talk a little bit about there because this is not um, uncharted territory. What uh, Joe Biden is asking for in this in infrastructure plan and throwing money at renewable energy is actually something, a road we've been down before. And it has led to this massive transfer of wealth uh, from average taxpayers to politically connected billionaires. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about 
the Biden administration itself, the decision makers themselves who are going to be guiding the ship, the green ship of state, um, beginning with John Kerry, who's Biden's special presidential climate envoy. What a great title. Uh, he is connected with all kinds of ventures uh, that stand to gain from renewable energy. Um, he acted as chairman of the advisory board for climate finance partners. Hmm, you think that has something to do with investing in climate companies? Well, and let's and let's just pause for a second because I think that underscores a really key point. When we talk about like the green industry, right? The green energy industry. You know, I think green energy. I'm thinking wind farms, solar panels, right? I mean, I do. I used to know somebody whose car ran on some kind of oil. It's like You're okay, kidding me? No, it's like they she like hijacked her Prius to make it run on um, <laughs> soybean oil or something. It's crazy, right? But I'm sure there's a YouTube video about it you can watch, but. But your point, and I think it's so true, is that the green energy isn't just like this kind of like sustainable earth to table kind of thing. It's actually like big finance. That's that's exactly right. I mean, uh, people think green energy companies are run by, you know, people that are, uh, you know, wearing Birkenstocks and maybe some of them do, but they also own, you know, $5,000 suits because <laughs> these green energy companies are are run by financiers like so much of the American economy. It's about the finance guys, the early investors who really make a lot of bank. And to your point, right, Wall Street's now paying attention to what this new infrastructure package and all the green giveaways could look like there because ESG funds, right, which is this new new type of investment vehicle that allegedly invests only in sustainable technology, things that are good for the environment. They got $51 billion in new money last year, which is a record for the fifth year in a row. And they're only expecting to grow because people are recognizing that, hey, it's not just this is a growing thing, but the Biden administration is going to be steering government-backed investment in these companies, which are going to be massively influential. That's exactly right, Eric. And that brings us to uh, another part of uh, Biden's team. We talked about John Kerry, and he's involved with several, um, let's say, green energy finance companies. Brian Deese, who's the director of the National Economic Council, um, he worked for BlackRock, which is the big behemoth in sustainable investing. Um, and he was actually the head of sustainable investing. Um, a lot of controversy, by the way, about these sustainable investing programs. A lot of people People have written in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere that these are really efforts to uh, gin up fees uh, for people like Mr. Uh, Deese and BlackRock so they can charge higher rates uh, uh, for managing their funds. But Brian Deese is also going to be involved uh, directly with charting uh, environmental policy. Uh, Biden's energy secretary, secretary Jennifer Granholm, um, is uh, also an investor. Um, she was involved with an electric bus company uh, between one and five million dollars in Proterra, where she actually served on the board. And by the way, the really interesting thing about that is the company that Jennifer Granholm was invested in, Proterra, actually was touted by Joe Biden. And thankfully, some of these news organizations picked up this conflict of interest and have been reporting on it. But it shows you kind of how conflated these interests between the things the administration is pushing and the financial interests of the actual administration can be. I mean, you think about the former governor of Michigan. Now she's going to be an integral player in the sustainable energy initiatives of the Biden administration. You know, I think sustainable, uh, you know, successful, financially viable technology. I think Detroit. You know, that's my number one. So, yeah, I mean, Grand Home's one of them. Gina McCarthy, right, the former EPA person. She's now, you know, she's making uh, seven figures in all the different environmental jobs that she's maintained. So these are the people that I think, to your point, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of also a throwback to some of the stuff you did and throw them all out. 
These are people that are helping to shape policy, but it's not just policy, it's billions of dollars. And so, I mean, these might not be the people actually making decisions about where the investments from the infrastructure program go, but the people that do make those decisions, we like them and their background's not going to be an actual green energy, right? Uh, that's that's exactly right. Um, and And I think the key thing we have to recognize here is for some reason, the national conversation and the media and elsewhere when it comes to green energy is unlike any other. So, you know, imagine we're discussing the defense budget right now. How would we not have a conversation about the defense budget without talking about defense contractors and who was going to make money? If we were talking about healthcare reform, would we have a conversation and not mention big pharma and not mention health insurance companies? Of course not. And yet, when it comes to green energy, the conversation is never about who's actually going to be making money, who's actually going to be cashing in. So we've talked first about the decision makers in the Biden administration that are guiding policy and how they're tied to all these, uh, let's say, green interests that stand to make money. And the decisions that they make or they get involved in can pick winners and losers. But let's talk about some of the people that actually finance Joe Biden's campaign that put him into office. Well, and I think it's a key point, too, because those two categories that you described, they're connected, right? Yeah. The people whose job it is to make those decisions, like how do they get those positions in the Biden administration? They are very successful fundraisers, right? Yeah. And so they became prominent in the Biden circle, not because, to your point, of their particular expertise in green technology, but because they were quite proficient at helping the Biden campaign raise a lot of money, oftentimes from the very people that will now receive these energy uh, company donations or, or gifts in the future, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, look, we have this conversation every election, and it's a fair and important conversation to have. If big oil companies give to certain candidates, they're going to have their ear. If big, big green companies and financiers uh, uh, put somebody in office, they are going to have their ear. And remember, reverse Robin Hood, what we're talking about here is a situation where this bill is going to lead to some of the individuals we're talking about now making serious returns on their investment. In other words, if I can put together two or $3 million to help get somebody elected president, and in return, I get a $2 billion taxpayer-backed loan, or I get a $50 million government grant, that's a hell of a return on investment. And just so people don't think this is purely speculative, I think if you go back and you look at Throw Them All Out, the book that Peter and the team that became the Government Accountability Institute wrote in 2009 and 2010, then what you see is that the people that actually made the decisions then are still very relevant today. In fact, Ron Klain was an advisor and I think a member of the staff that was making these energy grant decisions back then. And he's now the chief of staff in the Biden administration. So I think we, I don't think it's unfair to think that a similar decision-making process and similar outcomes will un unfurl. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, whoa, big fella. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, let's first go through the Biden Green Energy uh, financiers, some of the names. And these are people that we need to be watching. When, they, when this infrastructure program goes through uh, and money starts getting doled out, we need to monitor, as we will be doing, these individuals to see what kind of bank they might be, they might be making. And then we're going to talk about the essential problem uh, that occurred in the Obama administration, where the people that helped get Biden, uh, that helped Barack Obama get elected, put him in office with campaign donations, made bank in, with huge sums of money. So let's talk about Nat Simons and his wife. They have the Meritage Group, Prelude Ventures, and others. Tell us about them. 
Well, the best thing to know about Nat Simons is a guy that makes a ton of money in the green energy world takes a yacht to work every day. <laughs> you're, you're kidding me. No, he's got a 54-foot yacht, the Elon, I believe it's called, E-L-A-N. And uh, he takes it from his home and takes it through the bay and just drops him off like one block away from his office. But no, he's a guy that, uh, along with his wife and some other people, they've raised uh, over $6 million through two different fundraisers. He's part of Tom Steyer's crew. And, um, you know, he's has actually an extensive history over a decade of having companies that have benefited politically by things that have been done by politicians that he's held fundraisers for to help get elected office. So, I mean, this is, he's not new to the influence and benefit game. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, we could talk about Mark Gallagher, who uh, is a co-founder of Centerbridge Partners, a big financier invested in the energy space and the green energy space. Uh, he's a Wall Street uh, financial advisor who had previously a, a advised the Obama administration and has now signed on to the John Kerry-led Biden climate team. And his job is outreach to the business community. Uh, what could go wrong there? A guy that is going to help with the climate team. You've got going to have tens of billions of dollars to uh, to pass out. You yourself are a Wall Street financier and you are in charge of liaison with the business community. You, know, you mentioned that he's working with John Kerry. You may not have heard this. In fact, we know you didn't because it's been basically buried. But listen to this unbelievable thing John Kerry said. On that issue, pollution, I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, is that uh, an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. Uh, I negotiated the Paris Accords uh, for the United States. I've been involved in this fight for years. I negotiated with President Xi to bring President Xi to the table so we could get Paris. And uh, I believe... The time it takes me to get somewhere, I can't sail across the ocean, I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. But what I'm doing, almost full time, is working to win the battle of climate change. And in the end, uh, if I offset and contribute my life to do this, uh, I'm not going to be put on the defensive. Just underscoring that the war isn't the only thing John Kerry goes back and forth on, right? Because he's been a guy that's been I mean, heavily invested in green energy and green technology. So he, his, you know, not like his portfolio is hurting, but yeah. uh, it's not going to hurt more with additional investments in, in green technology and green energy. But he also has been a guy that hasn't been able to put all of his money where his mouth was, right? Kind of got a little bit of an old school Tom Steyer problem. He's been heavily invested in fossil fuels up until the point where the Biden administration actually just asked him to divest because he's about to become like the climate guy, right? Well, remember, when it comes to climate change, consistency is not important, right? <laughs> it's not important, especially if you're in the finance space. Well, you know, we've been down this route before, right? I mean, this is what a lot of people don't realize. As much as the Biden administration wants to say this is new, this is fresh and exciting, we had this under a different label more than a decade ago. ago. It was called the stimulus, the Obama stimulus. Shovel and ready. Shovel ready. That's right. And they took $20 billion with a B pumped it through the Department of Energy and doled it out to companies in the forms of loans and grants. People re remember names like Solyndra that collapsed. But the larger story that people ignored or have forgotten is lots of people, lots of very wealthy people made a lot of money 
because they receive these grants and loans. So the, you have the failures of Solyndra, but the bigger story here is this is a massive wealth transfer. Lots of rich people in Silicon Valley and Wall Street got huge amounts of money from the taxpayers for the benefit of their own companies. And that's what you mean by reverse Robin Hood, right? right. Robin Hood is taking from the rich and giving to the poor. This is from taking from everybody and giving money to the politically connected that happens to be invested in the politically favored industries because they also invest in those candidates to help get them in the position to give those grants out in the first place. That's that's exactly right. So $20.5 billion were handed out of that $16.4 billion went to companies that were owned, get this, owned by members of Barack Obama's National Campaign Finance Committee. <laughs> The guys that so not, actually, not just donors, yeah, not just donors, members of his finance committee Four four point one billion went to other companies. The other thing that stands out about this that that I'm sure is going to be re replayed again is, you know, maybe I'm a naive. I kind of thought that when they were going to dole out this money, they would actually take in proposals and they'd have engineers and scientists say, that's a dumb idea. That's a good idea. This makes sense. That doesn't. But that's not actually who made these decisions, is it? Uh, absolutely not. No, these are the people whose job it was to hold fundraisers and to collect that cash. And so then they're the ones in position to help advise like the steering of the loan. So it's essentially like the same group of people <laughs> collecting money <laughs> right. to get the politicians elected and then giving the money right. <laughs> to the companies of those people. Yeah. I mean, why on earth would you want to have actual energy scientists and experts making decisions? It's guys like back then, a guy named Steve Wesley, uh, who raised half a million dollars for Obama's election in 2008. Uh, and he became a quote unquote strategic advisor to the Department of Energy, where money was doled out to friends and co-investors and others. In fairness, though, doesn't the success of the technology and the industries they invested in sort of like, you know, kind of make it okay? I mean, we've seen nothing but profound growth. I mean, I took a Solyndra, you know, vessel to get to work today, right? Yeah, I mean, abject failure, abject <laughs> failure. And that's the problem that we're dealing with. You know, to show you how, how, you know, corrupt and crony this process was back then. Uh, there was a major uh, donor and lobbyist named Steve Farber, who, again, uh, helped put Barack Obama in office by raising a lot of money. When they started handing out the grants and the loans, he actually took out an ad in newspapers. Now, people actually did this 13 years ago. Um, and what he said was this, quote, expertise in sustainable energy law is worth nothing without connections. Learn how we've helped clients obtain funding from the Department of Energy through the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. In other words, come to us as a lobbyist and because we know the right people and we will help get you money. That's how corrupt this process is and probably will be again. And there was other people, right, that were involved in the process and on their website, they're touting that because of their connections to the Obama administration, they were, quote, uniquely positioned <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to be able to advocate for, you know, the necessity of investment in your industry. And unfortunately, this is not like something that the Biden administration has proven to be immune to. You've done amazing work on the Biden family and all their business ventures. And what we found is the people that are doing business with the Biden family are also not shy about bragging <laughs> about their connections right. to the Biden family, right? So, I mean, this is definitely a, if you know somebody, you get something kind of thing. Yeah. So if we step back and we look at this, what do you think are the two biggest takeaways 
uh, when people are looking at the stimulus, the implications of the stimulus of, of, of the sorry, not the stimulus, the infrastructure. Infra- it's infrastructure now, not infrastructure, stimulus. Sorry, sorry. Same thing with a different label. I mean, stimulus is infrastructure. <laughs> Everything is infrastructure. Peter Schweiss has been saying his dry cleaning has been infrastructure for years. <laughs> I want to make whiskey part of infrastructure. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, if you look at this infrastructure program, so what what really should be the takeaway for people? I mean, is this is this just all cronyism and corruption? Um, and and what could actually be done to police this? Yeah, I think the takeaway what what I think you and I think what we've been fortunate to do here at the, the Government Accountability Institute is explore incentive structures, right? And yeah. so I think the takeaway is, hey, let's, to the extent that we can, pay attention to who's getting the money. Uh, if nothing else, to kind of hopefully that enhance scrutiny, put some pressure that the people that actually get the, the industries and the technologies and the people that get the money, that there's some strategy behind it that's like beneficial <laughs> You're for, asking so, a lot here, for societal development and not necessarily just because it's relational, right? Not just because these people have been integral in the funding of these campaigns and so this is how it always goes that it would not be maybe a throwback to what happened with the obama era stimulus and now that yeah maybe that won't happen but if nothing else i think if we can we can promote an awareness of the context of these decisions then i think you know that's a progress i think uh i think you are wildly optimistic and hopeful which which i would expect from you um which i think is good but you know my view my realist view as i would say is you know you're basically telling people we're going to allow you to give tens and billions of dollars away of other people's money. Uh, and, and if you gave me $20 billion to say to give away, first of all, I think you'd do very well because you're a friend and I know you and I would pick other friends. But the notion, the idea that we can expect these government officials uh, at the Department of Energy, that we can expect people in the White House to do this in sort of a detached way right. is absurd. It is <laughs> absolutely absurd. Well, especially when the people making the decisions aren't necessarily industry-specific experts, right? I mean, look, in the last year, we've heard a lot of follow the science, trust the science, <laughs> right? Right. But when it comes to actually distributing money that's meant to invest in science-backed technologies, uh, to your point, if if the future is like the past, then it's not going to be scientists making those decisions. Right. And, and I think you cannot... Uh, get politicians to change the way that they operate. By the way, whether they're Republican and Democrat, when you have the ability to pass out other people's money, you're going to give it to friends and you're going to give it to allies. We at GAI are going to be monitoring this. We're going to be watching this. We will come back with updates. Uh, We are going to name names, as we always do. We're going to tell you how much money these people bagged, and we are going to uh, show what they're investment rate of return was. In other words, we're going to tell you this individual gave, say, $3 million to the Biden campaign, and he received this amount of money uh, in return from the Biden administration. Um, And you're only going to hear that here because here on this podcast, we follow the money and we make sure that what's going on beneath the surface, beyond the policy debate, that is the focus of our research. And we will leave no stone unturned classic schweitzer give him 20 minutes he'll depress the hell out of you (laughs) if you want optimism go somewhere else what you're going to get here is a dose of realism listen to this podcast in the dark (laughs) just as a reminder we'll be doing these each week where we'll be giving you information you can't get everywhere else so please check us out at thedrilldown.com and on every social media platform that two middle-aged white guys should be on and honestly even some that we shouldn't be
<laughs> it's been great uh, uh, having everybody with us. Eric, thanks for joining us. And until the next time, uh, join us, please, for the drill down. <laughs>